this podcast series, we look closely at the language being used in and around COP26. According to the official website, the COP26 summit will bring parties together to accelerate action towards the goals of the Paris Agreement and the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change. Important stuff. Language is crucial to understanding the climate crisis problem, to formulating solutions, negotiating political and economic pitfalls. It's crucial to communicating science findings and recognising the social, political and economic conditions which have brought us to crisis point. Language is interaction that can accelerate action, but language is also performance and performances can be used to distract from inaction, to avoid action or postpone it as much as to accelerate it. And language is what we focus on in this podcast series. Hello, I'm Michael Farrelly. I am a lecturer in English language uh, at the University of Hull, and I'm joined on the podcast by Tom Bartlett. Hi, Tom. Hi there. So I, I teach at Glasgow University and I teach now applied linguistics, but one of my particular areas of interest is the other discourses around the environment and sustainability. And in particular, what I'm really interested in is how people talk about these issues in different ways and the possibility of how they can communicate to each other across these differences and seeing how we can reach some sort of mutual understanding going forward. So that's my, that's my main interest here. Great. Thanks, Tom. And what we're planning to do with this podcast is pick out bits and pieces of language that are coming out of... Um... COP26 and, and see what we can say about them uh, and maybe get some insights into into what's happening with these. And the first text that we have is actually from the pre-COP26 uh, conference, which happened in Rome, uh, a meeting at the G20. And at that meeting, Prime Minister of Great Britain, uh, Boris Johnson, gave a short speech. So we're going to have a look at that one first. Good afternoon, everybody. Six years ago, 194 countries signed the Paris Agreement and made a historic commitment to end the destruction and devastation caused by climate change. Together, they agreed to limit global temperature increases to well below two degrees, with a view to keeping that increase at 1.5 degrees. But hundreds of summit speeches, press conferences like this, Later, those words and promises are starting to sound, frankly, hollow. So that's just the opening few words of his speech. And um, Tom, what is he doing with this speech? Hey, okay, that, that's a great question. And it's one whenever I'm sort of analysing text myself or working with you know, students, be they PhD students, undergraduate students or whatever, the question is, you know, to think about the, the language as performance, language as doing stuff. It's not just language and finding particularly interesting linguistic features or cherry picking things of interest, but trying to work out what is what is the exactly what is the person doing in context? Where are they? Who are they talking to? What's the point of the text? Because we don't sort of work out the general purpose of the text it's difficult to say what the individual features what the individual sound bites are doing within it and i think that's always the way to start thinking about it and in this particular speech i think it came at the end of the the g20 summit in preparation for cop 26 but at yeah. the same time 
I think we have to think about who the audiences are because we talked about in the intro about a speech being performance, and this is very much a performance. And I think it's directed at the general public, at the newspapers, at Boris's constituency, potential constituency, far more than the you know the G20 leaders who are sitting around mm. ostensibly being his audience, which is always one of the things we want to look at. Who who is the audience, or what are the multiple audiences? And we can find different parts of the speech or the talk directed to them. So and, and quite 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 a few of these sound bites were reported in the UK press um, on the following day on the Monday morning. So yeah, some of these a minute to midnight and and a warm drop in the ocean yeah. and so on. They, they were repeated again and again in different press outlets. And that's so, no accident, so. is it? I mean, the, the Boris and yeah. his speechwriters know exactly what makes a good soundbite and how this will get repeated. And that was, you know, that that was what he was hoping for. I think we could see some very catchy soundbites in there, which, which we would expect to get repeated. And I, I think that's interesting from the same point of view. We, the two sort of things we want to look at in this text is, what is it that makes it that particular type of text? What are the features that these presentational, these, you know, the openings of ceremonies, what do they have in common? They, they want to make the ceremony yeah. seem very important, urgent and necessary, but also uh, that it's yeah. going to be unique in its own way and better than anything that's gone before. And in particular, you know, the, in this example, we can see that while, while Boris Johnson is doing that, he's also trying to show the UK as the leader that we've got the COP in, in, in the UK in Glasgow. And that's a sign of leadership. But at the same time, he's dropping in lots of stuff there about how the UK has brought these countries together as almost as if they wouldn't have come together and made these agreements and commitments uh, without him. And com commitments, I know, is a word we'll be thinking about later on. <laughs> sure, yeah. I mean, and there, there's, you know, right, right in the middle of that speech, there's, uh, um, I'll just read out a little quote there. He says, Saudi Arabia, Australia and Russia have all made net zero commitments meaning 80% of the global economy will wipe out its contribution to climate change by the middle of the century, up from 30%, thanks to the UK's COP26 leadership. So, you know, you've got, you've got quite, um, quite direct uh, claims there by, by Johnson on, on the role of um, the UK and its, its leadership around this particular conference, you know, di direct, making direct uh, claims on that. Um, but as you say, this commitment idea is is is, is something that's that's interesting. We'll come back to that later. Um, did you want to say something about the expectations that this sets up? Uh, yeah, I think in two terms, expectations about what you say on this occasion, and you've got to do certain things, and then you've got yeah. some free reign to do some other things. Yeah. But I think in terms yeah. of the expectations of what follows, again, one of the things we've been talking about in preparation for this is there's a lot of talk about talk and the function of talk, and, you know, we reflect that in the introduction you gave to today's podcast. But I think it's right, he's trying to make it look extremely important, that it's crucially says, you know, if, if Glasgow fails, we all fail, whoever we is, again, another mm. point to bring yeah, up. Yeah, but at yeah. the same time, there's a level of vagueness built in there, isn't there, that what's the deniability, or uh, what's the phrase from politics where you make, make claims that you can say it didn't mean that later on. I've, forgot, I've forgotten the exact phrase. But they're going to say it's important, we're going to do loads of things, but then it, the level of detail is never quite there, what they are, or there's enough ambiguity and vagueness in there to, to claim it's a success one way or the other. Mm. Yeah, that, so that is important. That is interesting, isn't it? So you've got to make these things, the, the, the one of the purposes of these things is to, to 
emphasize the importance uh, of what's going to happen, partly because I guess you want um, you want people to take the event seriously and you're hoping that that will focus people's minds. But also then if you're the leader of this, you know, uh, associated with this, you get a, a sort of reflected glory from, you know, this important thing. Um, but at the same time, you can't give um, particular details. You, you can't you can't go into um, too much of, of, of what's specific. Um, and that's the nature of the, the, the kind of text that it is, the kind of um, speech that it, that it is. Uh, uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting one. Now, how about, I mean, we'll just we'll go move on to the, to some of the details in a second, but if, if that's, if you can't get it going into much detail on this, this is just occurring to you, if you can't go into much detail, um, does that cause a problem later down the line if you're if you're not um, specifying particularly what the problem is what the cause of the problem is can you then move to solutions if you're being um, you know necessarily vague in that way this is a conundrum that I'm, I've been trying to wrestle with on this kind of text recently what, what, are, your, what are your thoughts that's on that? a great, great question isn't it and I suppose it, where where do these solutions get proposed and where do they yeah, you know, or yeah. the problems. Where do they get debated and the, the hard nitty gritty stuff? A lot of that, I think, in cop is is off the seams, isn't it? This isn't the stuff we're going to see. It's the yeah. it's the posturing yeah. and the, yeah. the the recriminations and the claims of grandeur. And I suppose, yeah. in terms of that, that, this particular discourse, you know, it sets up expectations that in two weeks' time, Johnson will be able to say we're met because we all had this wonderful talk and we all agreed to do this, but much harder to consider you know how does this particular talk contribute in any way to those goals being identified and the problems being solved mm. or, or is, mm. is, is it you know is it fostering this this general ambivalent feeling about you know not fulfilling specific aims and the fact that people haven't really been fulfilling yeah, the aims they've yeah. set in the past is the fact that it buries yeah, that yeah. constantly seriously detrimental yeah, or is yeah. it just a sideshow that doesn't really make doesn't matter at all and i don't know i, I think it is yeah. a sideshow primarily but how much that does in terms of the long-term effects what the population the vote the electorate expect or in terms of what can be done i think probably is very detrimental yeah. it's more of a sideshow yeah, than that yeah. there's a there is a danger that that, that, that this um fosters cynicism uh, in in some ways, I, but I, we'll, we'll 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 see how this this pans out over the course of the two weeks, and uh, I'm sure this is something that we'll, we will keep coming back to. Um, you know, the performance of this, whether it's um, hiding inaction, whether it's uh, procrastination, or, or whether it, you know, as, as as I think you said, as we were talking about this, um, whether it's um, creating the conditions creating a position from which the leaders can then um, do something will we'll, we'll be interesting to, to, uh, to follow, for, to follow this. I, I wanted to say, I, I, um, I was teaching a class today at university and I was, I showed this text to, to, um, uh, to my students and we went through this and we had a look for uh, social actors. So, one of the things that you can look at when you're doing this kind of textual and discourse analysis is is to see um, who is represented in there and and who is excluded and how are they represented. So the people, more or less, and this is based on uh, Theo van Leuven's um, 
framework for analysing social actors. That's what we call it in, in the critical discourse analysis literature. But we've got we've got this, and we had a look at these, and it was, we, we found some fascinating things. There's all sorts of human actions embedded in this uh, text, which don't then specify which human beings or which groups of human beings are responsible for those actions. So I'll just give you an example. In the first sentence, he says, um, six years ago, the Paris Agreement made an historic commitment to end the destruction and devastation caused by climate change. And, you know, this is a fascinating uh, sentence. You know, we've been talking about this, haven't we, Tom? And, and you know, um, we've got this action of commitment, you know, human beings are the kinds of things that can make commitments. So, so there's, you're looking for which human beings made a commitment. Um, and in this representation, it's the, the Paris Agreement made a, a commitment. So he's not talking about the people that made the commitment. He's talking about the Paris Agreement making a commitment, which we, uh, uh, I think we were talking about, well, what is it? Is the agreement making a commitment or is the commitment making an agreement? You know, and you've got this quite, quite a circular um, I think the agreement way of putting making this. A commitment to agree. <laughs> Quite, and and so I mean, you, you, when you put it that way, it you, it, it seems a little bit, um, yeah. Uh, I don't know how to to put it. It's, it there's there's a, there's a lot of circularity there, a lot of vague. And I, th I think you uh, talked well about cynicism, and obviously that's not the purpose yeah. of this. But people often see these events as talking shops. Well, if you talk about yeah. an agreement making yeah. a commitment, you sort of you're opening yourself up to that. <laughs> you are, you are. Um, and so you've got this, you've got this, you know, focus on the agreement rather than the people that made the, the commitment. So you're not holding, I guess, you know, what I would be thinking is, well, you're not, you're not specifying the leaders which did that. And you're, you're then not going to go on and hold those leaders to account because you're not even sort of bringing them into the, into the conversation at this, at this point. But we've also got destruction and devastation as uh, I guess the consequences of actions, which are human actions, but no mention of of who those those people might be. And then you've got climate change, but again, you're, you're not saying that this is human caused climate change. Which hopefully, I mean, that's that's sort of taken as read by now. Maybe that's what he's doing with that. But but it's interesting that as as you go through this text, really, really, um, I'm really struck by the absence of. of um, of, of people until we get far, quite far in. And this is something that students kind of pointed out to me today. They, was, they were saying, you know, this, this, it makes you think, you, you don't notice this when you're reading or listening to it until you point it out. So it goes on, together they agreed, so we've got they, um, presumably the, the world leaders who signed the agreement, they agreed to limit low global temperature increases to well below two degrees with a view to keeping that increase at 1.5 degrees. And all of these things, the increases, the, the monitoring that is required to keep the increases, you know, to, to, to make sure that these things are in place, the people that would do those or the organizations that would be responsible for those, not present. Uh, then we've got this really fascinating, but hundreds of summits, speeches, conferences like this later, these words of promises are, are starting to sound frankly hollow. Again, all of the people that have been involved in these erased from from this and I, i'm not sure how important that is but it's input it is interesting that he's pointing out this this idea that um uh words and promises are, 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 are sounding hollow and it raises a question for me as to whether it, it, it are his words um now going to to sound hollow uh, at the end of this process when he's calling for all these all, all these um 
these actions, which we without specifying who's who's doing what for, for, for to whom. Yeah, I think I mean um, really interesting what you're saying. And just to, to to butt in for a minute, because one of the things we talk about as well is that phrase. And unlike many other global challenges, the solution to climate change is clear. Really interesting because that, yeah. Boris Johnson himself is here criticizing the talking shop aspect of these. But he's sort yeah. of then sort of standing above it to say, I'm a clear, far-sighted politician. The this is unusual. This is the solution is clear. That makes him look like he's above the talking shop, mm. he's above mm. all the muddle. But then his description yeah. of the problem is couched in the most generic and vague way that you've been talking about that yeah of course it's clear yeah. at that level of generality because that level of generality doesn't actually tell us anything the, because yeah, we've got to work yeah, out yeah. who's responsible for these things what you can do instead the repercussions of these and all this stuff so this level of of course you can't be too too technical in a talk like this but by reduce you can reduce the level of technicality in such a way to make it look not so much to appeal to your audience, but to make it look like you're in control of events. And I think this is yeah. one of the things that he's doing here is to make, he's the clear-sighted guy who can cut through all the, well, you can't cut through wind, but he, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> he can do that. <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's, um, it, I think that's, that's exactly right. He, he is, you know, as you were talking about positioning, all of this is positioning, you know, him as, as the person who can see these things. Without really having to say what 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 you have to do, the Paris Agreement. He said much later down, um, if we're going to prevent COP twenty six from being a failure, then that must change. And you know, the the, the sort of um, the purpose of this. Uh, I'm, I'm looking through this text and sort of thinking, well, what what is it? What is it that he's going, that we're going to do? What are they, the leaders going to do at this conference? And from this speech, it's avoiding failure. Um, you know, <laughs> which who wouldn't want to avoid failure? But the question is, what what is what is what are you going to fail or not fail uh, here? You know, he says if Glasgow fails and the whole thing fails, that's one of the sound bites that that was reported in the press. Of course, nobody wants to fail, um, but what is it that you're trying to do? Which you then might fail. I don't think they've really specified what what it is that they're trying to do, which by which we could judge the success or failure of of, uh, of what they do, uh, which I think is very, yeah, very interesting. In a similar way, that which leads into one of the other things we were talking about in advance of this, where if you keep the problem at a very low level of gen of specification, then it's mm. very possible to sort of claim all sorts of things are solutions to that problem because you're not really looking at the specifics. And I think you're one that we really looked at this idea of commitment and, and Johnson is there saying, yes, the UK is leading the world. Again, is this positioning, it's in Glasgow, I'm the clear-sighted one. UK is already leading in the world because he can focus in on what UK is already doing, what it has done, and it is doing some great things. And actually this Conservative government is doing a lot of things that are getting widely applauded from within the you know the e ecological movement yeah. which is which is great but he can focus in on those because he hasn't specified the problem in, in great detail he can just throw up anything that's positive and it looks good and the uk's are the one pushing forward and the others are left in this quagmire of sound bites or whatever mm. and, and mm. that made us think about the level of commitment didn't it in terms of the, the, yeah. the agreement making a commitment and a commitment is really talks about changing the word into 
you know, interaction, doing talking to talking now, walking the walk. But if you can choose what those what, what what actually is the nature of the commitment, which is as linguists we're fascinated in, you know, what what are the felicity conditions? Yeah. In other words, what is it that makes a, an yeah. apology yeah. an apology, a promise a promise, a commitment yeah. a commitment? And one of the things we picked up on, and which I think you've got more to say on than me, was the idea that listing the things you're already doing and that you might have been doing for different reasons. And then yeah, making that commitment yeah, doesn't really yeah. count as a commitment because a commitment means doing something new, doing something different. Something Not just saying new, we're yeah. already yeah, doing yeah, this and yeah. therefore we're leaders. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the one you picked up on, I think, which maybe you can expand on, Michael, was this idea that you know Britain eradicated the coal industry very famously under Thatcher. And now mm -hmm. this is being you know, uh, presented as a low-carbon way forward because yeah, we have yeah, fewer carbon yeah. outputs from coal but that doesn't really count as a commitment yeah, yeah yeah i think i think that's absolutely right one one of the things that struck me about all of this recently the build-up to the cop 26 is that um there is a focus on coal and getting rid of coal or, or at least what they're calling you know um unabated coal um but they they, they um are talking about ending dirty fuels and so on and the the and of course, from an environmental point of view, stopping burning dirty coal and releasing all of those uh, uh, chemicals and emissions into the atmosphere is a good thing. But it's easy for UK to say because UK has, as you say, um, stopped producing, you know, mining and burning um, coal for different reasons. You know, it was for different reasons that those coal mines were, were closed and, and, and um, stopped producing and stopped burning those those things. You know, in, in latter years, in mo more recent years, then, of course, yeah, I'm sure some of the, some of the final decisions to close down um, coal burning power plants is is partly to do with the environment. But for the vast majority of the of the history of that, that industry closing down, it's nothing to do with it. And it's for a, diff for a different reason. Much easier for UK to say that and say we've got to stop burning coal than it would be for countries that are much more reliant on that. So South Africa, China at the moment, um, really difficult for them to do it, for their politicians to turn around to the population and say, well, we're going to stop this um, immediately because, uh, you know, they, they, they are much more reliant on it than, than the UK is. Um, and that, that does bring me to one of the another part of Johnson's speech, he says the UK has proved it can be done. We have lowered our greenhouse gas emissions by 44% in the last 30 years, whilst increasing our GDP by 78%. And, and that is true. Those figures are from 2019. So we, what's happened in the last couple of years, we don't know because those are the latest figures. But um, part of that reduction in greenhouse gas emissions is down to deindustrialization of the of the sort that we're talking about and in terms of consumption the uk does still um consume a lot of the earth resources uh, it's just that, that those are those are exported so it's yeah as you say this this commitment to cutting contributions it's all very easy to commit to things that you've already done and you've done them for different reasons so it will be interesting to to see uh, how the other nations, how the other leaders, and how, indeed how, how Johnson himself continues to uh, push these commitments forward uh, throughout the rest of the conference. Yeah, and I think you, you talk about that exporting, you, you were making the point to me earlier, this idea that we no longer have the, the heavy industry and the manufacturing industry, but we're still buying these yeah. products that are produced yes. in other countries that have got a yeah. huge 
yeah. carbon output, but that carbon output is for our benefit. The fact that it's not actually produced within yeah. the UK doesn't mean it's yeah. a cut in the UK's yeah. emissions. I think you were hinting at that there, but it makes Johnson's easy to see problems, you know, that they're, they're distorted and they're hidden around and text yeah. pick up on them in different yeah. ways that we, we yeah. sort of yeah. we've lowered our carbon emissions because we don't produce steel in the UK. But if we're importing steel from elsewhere, we're still responsible for those emissions, which is, you know, one of the conjuring tricks of language to, to define it how you want. Yeah. Yeah, 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 no, that, that's right. And I, and I think this, 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 this is a, another theme that I think we'll be coming back to again and again, the nature of the commitments. And as you said, the felicity conditions, I mean, so to just in case, what, what, what do we mean by felicity conditions? Um, for, for people who that, 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 don't, that don't know about that? Okay, yeah. So it comes from speech act theory and the idea of, you know, I can say I promise to do something, but does that count as a promise? Um, if I haven't got the capacity to do it, if the person doesn't want it, uh, if I've got my fingers crossed behind my back, for example, in the school I came from, it's not really a promise. A pro it's To make it count as a valid promise and not just go through the motions, go through the words, there are certain non-linguistic aspects that have to hold and we call those the felicity as in uh something that's successful this felicitous condition uh so an apology doesn't count as an apology these are ones we've seen in the press a lot recently if you say i'm sorry is that enough to make an apology do you need to be sincere yeah, do you need yeah, to show yeah. that contrition do you yeah. need to explain your behavior so i think what are the felicity conditions for a commitment uh commitment what, what do we need to think about in terms of whether these are genuine commitments have the countries got the capacity to do that do they intend to do yeah. it is yeah. it something that will make a difference is it something they're not doing already all those things have to be in place for it to be a felicitous and genuine commitment yeah. not just yeah. saying we commit yeah. yeah doesn't do it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, so we, so you and I can't just agree to win the lottery. Oh, great example, and yeah. That to, and make that, make that our commitment. But normally, <laughs> yeah, with these performances, if you could put hereby before them, their performances, so you could say, "I hereby commit," and it looks like you're committing, but yeah. I hereby commit, I hereby win the lottery. Doesn't work like that, unfortunately. Yeah, 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 yes, yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. Now, um, we we also. Um, wanted to look forward to some of the other some of the themes that we we, we think that we're going to uh, to be seeing, and, and commitment is one of them. The performances that we we will see, some of the vague language, and see if over the couple of weeks that we're we're looking at this, that that some of that vague language may become more or less vague, more concrete. Um, anything else that you think that we're going to be seeing as we go along? Yeah, so I'm not sure if you said anything about positioning in terms of what, what you know, what's the position they're taking mm. up? Because I, I think it's really interesting. One of my particular areas is it's actually a bit like the felicity conditions. What are the felicity conditions to take up a position? Now, mm -hmm. You can only represent yourself as a leader, a world leader. I can't get up and make this speech to COP26. It wouldn't work. Boris Johnson could do it to some extent and other people can or can't do it. So I'm really interested in the idea of the position people are taking up, what get, what makes that position legitimate? What makes people believe it? What makes it credible? What are the backgrounds? Mm, so it's a, again, yeah. it's a bit like the felicity conditions. Uh, so how people position themselves, whether it works or not, whether the audience, mm, that their, mm. their attended audience buys it or not. Maybe one of the things yeah, we might want yeah. to look at is to see the reactions to some of these speeches, to see if people did buy them and, yeah. you know, to see, let's have a look at the social media and see 
what mm-hmm. insights we can get from how people take these apart or appreciate them in terms of how effective and gen- genuine they think they are. So that might be looking at the reactions might be a really interesting thing to do sometime as well. That, that is a great idea. We will we will do that as we go through um, our podcast series over the next couple of weeks. I think that's a fantastic idea. Um, we wanted also to end with a, a soundbite of the day. So, uh, Tom, you have a soundbite of the day. I have, and I'll give you a couple of seconds just to listen to this now. <laughs> Okay, and this actually takes us exactly to this point of positioning and uh, lots of issues. That was Greta Thunberg, as you've never heard her before, on the streets of Govan. There's a little video you can see of it where she is with a group of young protesters and she's singing, you can stick your climate crisis up your ass" to uh, a well-known tune in Scotland, which is a popular children's song called You Can You Canny Shove Your Granny Off a Bus. You can't shove your granny off a bus. Very much part of Glasgow... <laughs> street culture, youth culture. And I think what I love about it is it's really changing the way she presents herself. She's actually got a very good sense of humour, which you do sometimes see when she changes her profile names and stuff like that. But she's always portrayed, particularly by those people who don't like her, as this overly serious, humourless, childish, highly strung kid who should be back in school. And this is people's Mm. way of an alternative positioning of undermining her position because if we undermine her position then we don't need to listen to her message it's and that's something we will definitely come back on you know shoot the messenger and i don't need to listen to the message so i think this is really good here she's setting herself Mm. up as a kid you know not a young kid but sort of the anarchic rebel kid more she's raising a middle finger to the people who've mucked up the environment so you can shove it up your ass it's your responsibility now you know She's not been overly serious with facts and figures yeah. and doom. She's having fun. But she's also, she's with local protesters. She's with young protesters in Govan, which is the working class heart of Glasgow. It's the shipbuilding area. It's genuine mm. concerns about wealth and jobs and, you know, so employment, not just the environment. So by mixing with these people, showing herself to be part of that, it's quite a good way of deflating this old image that people have been making of her and making herself look credible. And I think the thing is, obviously, the people won't like her, whatever she does. But I think she has got the, the background to take up that position. I think it works. She look, you know, you can't, some people just can't do it because they're in the wrong position. Boris Johnson could not have got there and sang, you can stick your climate crisis up your ass. But also other people couldn't have, but she manages to pull it off. She's able to take up that position in some way, which is really interesting, and create an alternative image of herself, which gives herself gives her more credibility going forward because she's no longer just portrayed as this serious kid that anyone could knock down. So really, yeah. or, or an extra an extra an extra dimension to herself, you know, or that's that's not often seen, yeah. you know, in the in the coverage that we that you often see. Yeah. So yeah, that's it's fantastic. Really, really good uh, soundbite to finish with. Um, so we'll be back with more discussion of the language of the COP twenty six over the next couple of weeks. Um, goodbye from me. Thank you very much for listening. And from me also. <laughs>